Tonight's reading comes from John 10. The Jews were again divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and is out of his mind. Why listen to him? Others were saying, these are not the words of a person who is demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus is walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The Jews gathered around him, saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me. But you do not believe, because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these are you going to stone me? The Jews answered, It's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you, though only a human being, are making yourself out to be God. Jesus answered, Is it not written in the law, I said you are gods? If those to whom the word of God came were called gods, and the scripture cannot be annulled, can you say that the one whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world is blasphemous because I said, I am God's son? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, then even though you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Then they tried to arrest him again, but he escaped from their hands. The word of the Lord. It's a great honor and privilege to be with you this evening. It's a great honor to be in the presence of such fantastic music and so many artists and scholars and interesting people, some of whom I've gotten to know over the years and some of whom I've only started to get to know, especially through sharing the Lenten journey, as we did, a few of us all together over at Zion, my congregation. Thanks for having me. The title of my reflection tonight is The World Could Use a Little More Blasphemy. 
And I hope to invoke the trickster just enough that I can convey in words and collect my thoughts and persuade you just a little bit that that might be true. Even if it doesn't entirely make sense. Years ago, my daughter Charlie, who is 13 years old now, created her own bedtime prayer. She was just a little pumpkin. And it goes like this. God bless God and Jesus and Mary. And God bless the whole world, no exceptions. God bless God. It's not correct. It's not correct. It's not theologically correct to say, God bless God. But there it is. God bless God. She still prays that prayer. And I chose not to correct it. For two reasons. One is because it came from a pure heart. And you know how kids are. Kids are so full of feelings and experiences and profound, powerful thoughts that they try to put into the weakness of language. And we do well to listen to them and to listen between the lines to the feeling and to the heart that is attempting to come through in the words. And the other reason I didn't correct her is because who the hell knows? Who really knows who or what God is? So we simply say God is. And we say a lot more than that, but often we don't know what we're talking about. Another great theological observation that my daughter gave out of her sort of toddler mysticism Our cat Harvey had died, 15-year-old cat. We buried Harvey in the backyard under the silver maple tree. My wife Andrea was looking at the little grave we had made for Harvey with Charlie, who was probably just three at the time. And Andrea said, Charlie, where do you think Harvey went? Charlie didn't skip a beat. She said, into the world, Mommy. Not up to heaven, not into the ground but into the world. It's the most beautiful and profound description of heaven I've ever heard. Because we say that we go to be with God. Well, where is God? Where is God? Is God up there? Mystics of every stripe and through the ages have always understood that God's dwelling place is here in the human heart, in the actual world that we experience and inhabit. Not some other place, occasionally intervening from time to time, when angry, when moved, to help us find a parking spot. 
So Jesus has this escalating conflict with some of the other Jewish leaders at the time. And they're divided about him. Some say he has a demon and some says, how could a demon open the eyes of the blind? Look at the things that he does. So some of them confront him and they say, look, Jesus, finally, don't keep us in suspense any longer. Tell us, are you the Messiah? Jesus says, I've already told you. And by the way, just look at the things I've been doing. They're not satisfied. He says, look, you don't believe because you're not, you're not one of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They know me. I give them life. That life has an eternal quality to it. But you don't believe because you're not part of it. You won't accept it. You won't even believe the works, the good works that I'm doing. And then finally he says, he says it. He says, I and the Father are one. At which point they pick up stones to stone him to death because he has committed blasphemy. Technically true. Correct. But at the level of the question of the heart, they are incorrect. Because they look at the things that Jesus is doing and they misinterpret them. They don't see that these participate in God. So Jesus says to them, For which of these good works that I've been doing do you pick up stones to stone me? He's being ironic. They take it straight. They go, we don't, we're not stoning you for any of the works that you're doing, but because you have committed blasphemy. Now, this is the point where Jesus should turn to the words of the Nicene Creed and say, look, don't you know that I'm co-equal with God, that I'm of one being with God? That I'm eternally begotten and not made of one substance with the Father? Don't you know that? It's not what he says. It's not what he says. And what he says is actually shocking. So shocking that I think the church shies away from it. He says, don't you know that in Psalm 82 it says, You are gods and all of you sons of the Most High? He takes his heresy, he takes his blasphemy, and he takes it up a notch. Not only am I and the Father one, but you are gods. Now look what the church does. In the normal pericope for today, the normal reading for the day, the church has a stop at I and the Father are one. The story's only half over. But I think it might have to do with some discomfort about Jesus' argument and suggestion. The other thing that the church has done is that in translating the Greek to English, when they say, you have made yourself equal to God, it's a capital G. 
When Jesus says, don't you know it's written, you are God's, it's a small case G. In Greek, it's all uppercase. It's all uppercase. There are no small case letters in the original manuscripts. This was a choice, a choice out of discomfort, out of reproducing the words of Jesus in a way that might seem just a little bit too blasphemous. We could use a little more of this blasphemy. Pope Francis, on the Isle of Lesbos this week, has talked about something that he calls the globalization of indifference. The increasing tendency, at least in his point of view, for the world to be able to disidentify with entire populations of people, be they refugees, be they the wrong religion, be they the wrong whatever, be they too far away. To disidentify with the other. And this, I think, is what hierarchies of conceptualizing God and God's way in the world do. And that tragic history, I believe, began in the fourth century when the Emperor Constantine called a council and decided to settle the dispute about how we were going to think about Jesus and God through a creed. And it's not so much the creed that I have a problem with, it's the way in which that creed got used and for what purpose, because it became linked to the extension of empire. If you believe this way, you're in. If you believe another way, you're out. And that happened immediately through the power of the sword. When I was at seminary years ago, had an experience that came to mind as I was thinking about this. We were at some friend's house. My, my, my now wife, Andrea, and I were, were engaged to be married, and we were invited over to their apartment there on Luther Seminary. And we didn't know it at the time, but apparently there were assigned parking spots for the people who were residents in, in the apartment building. My wife, Andrea, without knowing, she pulled up into this parking spot, parked because it was close, and came up to the apartment. We had a very nice dinner together. When we went back down, there was a note on her window rebuking her for using a parking lot that was otherwise assigned. And her rearview mirror was broken off. And we came to find out that a fellow student had done this, somebody who drove a car with a, a license plate on it that said, God be for you. God be for you. Smug sucker. And in his own mind, theologically correct. But his heart was bad. What Jesus does is he points us in the direction that Eastern philosophies and religions and native 
traditions have known forever. That it's actually an act of humanity to begin to see that the divine is infused in every other being, no matter who they are, no matter what they believe, and no matter what they do. That's what namaste means. The divine in me recognizes the divine in you. It's what the Dakota people mean when they call their children Wakanja, and they, which means sacred being, not kid. It's what the mystics through all the traditions have understood by the divine spark that in, exists in each one of you. You are God's capital G. We cannot possibly understand or capture in words or concepts the eternal, ineffable God. And yet, that God is as ordinary as you. And if I recognize that, I can't write you off. I can't disidentify with you. If you are in pain, then that affects me. We belong to each other because you are God. Amen.